Welcome to the Farcast here at Shadron State College. I'm Daniel Binkard with my co-host Alex Helmbrecht, and we're here talking today to our athletic director, Joel Smith. And Joel, good to have you on the show. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And it's your first time in the studio, too, it so is. you're getting to see everything. Yes. Very nice place. Well, I appreciate need that. Some flowers are under. I need. Yeah, else. I've got an air freshener going. Yeah, you know, I didn't know. I didn't ask about that. <laughs> I, could, I could tell. When, I could tell when I came in that there was an air freshener. Yeah. actually, now that you mentioned it, I can smell it now. Too. Yeah, it's so, a little more okay. pleasant. Fair enough. Well, we got a few questions for you, sure. Joel. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to believe you've been the athletic director here since 2013. It mm-hmm. feels kind of like it's only yesterday, and kind of like it's been 10 years now or something. Right. But uh, so obviously the fans here are likely familiar with you. They know your face and they sure. know you're the guy to blame in the end. Um, <laughs> I take the buck, yes. <laughs> well, what would you say are some of the biggest accomplishments that the athletic department has experienced in the last decade? Wow. Um, there's That one could go on for a long time. I mean, we we had a lot of things that we needed to work on when we got here. Um, and we did all that along with – um, building all the buildings that we built and trying to maintain the success that the previous, um, you know, years of, uh, of not only Shatter and State football, but, you know, some of the other sports too, that long tradition of things. Um, we had to maintain that while we were still trying to do all, you know, change some things the, the way that I wanted to see them be organized and then um, also try to build the buildings. And so it was, uh, it was, a, it was fun and it was also – uh, quick. Um, I don't think of it in terms of how long I've been here, right? But when you put the date down there, you start thinking about it. You go. Now, uh, one of the reasons for that too is though is that I, I didn't just like show up here in 2013, right? Right. I knew about the place, and when I was the commissioner, I really, really liked Chadron. It was one of my favorite places to come visit. It had a lot to do with the people. I liked Brad. I liked Alex. I liked Don. I mean, those people that I met when I was here really enjoyed it, and I liked the small town. Um, so it was always a place that I had some, uh, you know, a little fondness for. And when I got the opportunity to come up here, then it was was kind of an easy transition from that standpoint. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, Daniel um, could have has experience with this as well. But you know, looking back to 2013, um, the best press box was in the the softball field. <laughs> yeah. That and, was about and, the newest, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> and uh, you know, there, there was uh, there wasn't a track. Um, there wasn't the Shakoin Center. Nope. Um, and there certainly wasn't um, the, the revamped Elliott Field and, no. and BB Stadium. And so, I mean, when you say that, it just it doesn't sound like much, but it is actually a lot. Oh, a yeah. lot we transformed the side of campus. When you think about how many projects were all included in all of that stuff. Uh, it, it kind of boggles your mind a little bit to think back and think, gosh, we got all that done. When I tell people outside of here, that we did this and we did this and we did that. You know, it sounds like I'm some kind of superstar. I, not me. I didn't do it. But we were able to accomplish that with all the help of everybody around. And that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. It really is. And, and, and go to go from – I wouldn't say that Shadron was the worst facilities in the league because there were other ones that were worse. But we just kind of leapfrogged everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there isn't anybody who, think, who I think has as nice of facilities in all of their areas as we do. And we still need to look work. I mean, softball could use a little bit more. It's yeah. a little tired now too, right? Um, we need to get the track finished so that we can actually use it. That would be kind of cool. But other than that, though, who else has as nice of facilities as we do? And plus, we got to build off of the ones we already had. Like the indoor track was always like kind of a gym in the RMAC mm-hmm. because it was the only one for a long time. Yeah. You know, Carney's in ours. 
And uh, and then when Carney left the league, then it was for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't consider Colorado School of Mines as indoor facility really an indoor track because it was only three lanes and <laughs> all that other stuff. But so but, that yeah. does seem a little limiting. What, no, no. what do we have left on the outdoor track to finish up? So there's some fencing that are being bid out right now, and then the throws areas. Okay, okay so we're going to actually kind of keep the area where we have now. But we have to put a $30,000 cage up there so that oh, we can host yeah. stuff. And that all flat area all has to be poured in concrete and made out so that we can make it a, a legitimate throw area. And then we'll probably do the shot put area closer to the track, kind of off into where those trees are to the east, I guess, of the track. And uh, that way we'll have a nice two or two, hopefully two shot areas. And that we can go in there and uh, and make that into a, a little nicer area, and then we'll be ready to go. Well, that'll be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah that will be fantastic. Then we will have track meets in the spring with the fun weather. Yeah, b- barring inclement <laughs> yeah. weather, of course. Yeah, yes. spring sports are always kind of a mixed cocktail. When yeah. It comes well, to and I told Riley, I said, you know, how many how many of our uh, numbers are actually going to count because they're either going to be wind obstructed or wind aided up there. So, but <laughs> it, hopefully, we'll get nice calm days on, the, and then we'll get all the good ones in when we need to. Yeah, so. that's a good point. Yeah, you, you know, we mentioned the the renovated or, or newly constructed facilities, and I. I'm still always blown away every time I'm in the Chicoin Center. I'm on that lower level, kind of over there by the the women's locker rooms mm-hmm. for volleyball and basketball. And you see that door that leads into Armstrong, and you think to yourself, I used to park here. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. And, and now it's a, a gym floor. Right. And, I mean, there was so much work that was put into that. Yeah. It, it looks, you know, pretty flawless now, but... There's a lot of dirt work that was. Oh yeah, to change how the levels and make it all fit up. Yeah, that was a big deal. And it was, um, you know, one of the things that we don't talk enough about was the fact that we were able to keep the old buildings because mm-hmm. we use them so much. So I'm, some people might have thought, well, if you're building, spend all that money building the building, you should tear down the old one. No, no. We when we use Armstrong just as much, if not more, than we used to. I mean, it's amazing, except for we don't do crowd things anymore, right? right? right. But the practice schedules, the, uh, the people outside who need the use of a bigger building, they're, they're the ones that used to exist in town have kind of disappeared for the most part. And so now they, they want to come and use our building. And so, um, yeah, it's it's gotten to kind of grow as a life of its own, mm-hmm. that whole complex. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Didn't we even have um, some classes in the Armstrong gym during the we do, pandemic uh, last well, year? Well, we, we've had classes for a while. We have... Uh, we actually have a theater class that goes on in Armstrong. Okay. And they practice fencing. Good. I and, didn't know they were over there. And they, they've been over there for years because okay. they needed the extra space. But, yes, we had other ones, Daniel. And uh, we had um, – we have talked about maybe trying to do some more um, of the community stuff that, that goes on in the pack, trying to move right. things over there, because mainly because of the air conditioning, because mm-hmm. Armstrong is air conditioned, so you could do yeah. some things like in the summer for activities type of stuff and, you know, I don't know, yoga classes or whatever that we could do over there where they could spread out and have a lot more, th- and I'm fine with that as, you know, as long as it doesn't impact our practice schedule, so. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I always like it when those facilities get used. Yes. Well, that's why you build them. Yep. Yeah. To, sure. to use them. I mean, I, you know, it runs you a little ragged at while sometimes when you've got, you do feel guilty if you know, if you, you know, we go through a week and we don't have something going on in the building. I feel guilty because, because yeah. we've spent a lot of money and, and I have a lot of pride in those buildings and, and it's good to see that we get to use them a lot. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So Joel, you mentioned that you were uh, the commissioner of the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference. Uh, and, <clears throat> excuse me. And that was your job before you came here. 
<laughs> what was that like? <laughs> what was your job before they came? Okay. Uh, it was an interesting job. Um, it was uh, Leo DeRocher said one time I had to keep the five guys who hated me away from the 10 who hadn't made their decision yet, right? <laughs> um, and so um, – Probably good advice for yeah, any yeah for, yeah, for anything. <laughs> but the, in that case, you work for – and back then we had 14 schools on the league. We have 15 now. But uh, we, you work for 14 different presidents. And um, you, none of them have your best interests necessarily at mind. They have their institution's best interest, which they should. So, but I'm the, as the commissioner, you're the arbiter of all of the conflict between all those schools, and so that you're you're eventually you get it's a, got a shelf life, I think. Um, and so, you know, I did it for twelve years, which was with the exception of the people who did it from like the early '70s until '90s. I, you know, I was the second longest tenured commissioner in the whole hundred and what is it, fourteen years of the RMAC, and so, um, so I, I must have done a few things pretty good about that. But at the same time, you eventually have to tell everybody no sometimes, and you get to a point where it it, it becomes kind of a battle. That was problem number one. Bigger problem though was we worked in an office with four people in the middle of Colorado Springs, nice town and all that, but you just worked in an office and that's what you did every day. You went in the same three people were in the office all the time. You didn't get to have the interactions that you have on campuses and the and the communications and the coming to the studio, which mm -hmm. you know, I didn't get it. I guess I did because we had we did a television show, but but um um I miss campus life, and that's where I had originally came from before I did that. And so that part was really was sticking in my head when I got the opportunity to come here. And it was I wasn't necessarily looking to do something, but when that opportunity came, that just became one of the things that I thought was really exciting was to be able to get back on campus, integrate with a lot of people, root for one team instead of you know mm -hmm. I told people I won the Armac championship twelve years in a row in every yeah, school. Yeah, there you go. Okay, which I did. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't have any rings, unfortunately, but uh, but I did get to do that. So that part was cool, but. You're always one step removed from it because you have to engage with all of the, with the ones who didn't win it and all that other stuff. So, um, it, trying to to balance all those things was a really interesting challenge. But uh, but like I said, it had a shelf life. So yeah, and I always I always thought you d you did a really nice job balancing that and and the rest of the the crew that you had back in the office, um, particularly the ones I worked with the most were Sarah Meyer and, and Eric Danner. Uh, when I was the SID, but I mean, there was, um, it's not the most glamorous aspect of athletic administration. You're scheduling officials, which yeah. you need officials, but it's right. not the most yeah. appealing thing in the world or, or you're dealing with schedules, which is a bunch of spreadsheets. So it's a lot of logistics. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts and bolts and it's, um, and then it's arbitration and that's the arbitration is the really challenging Oh, hard part, but it's also the one that, cre that need, you need to have the most talent for because I've got to be able to get all of these schools to actually co confab together mm -hmm. with differing, I, you know, differing states, differing deals, private, public, big schools like Metro, which was 17,000 back then when they were enrolled. I think there are more than that now. Um, you know, small schools like Colorado Christian that was. 300 kids, mm -hmm. right? And try to get all of those people to figure out a way to, to, to get along with each other and, you know, do create something positive out of it. That's, that, it is that. It's kind of a, it's got some drudgery and then it has these moments of wildfire, I guess. So, yeah. Interesting job. Um, glad I'm doing what I'm doing now. <laughs> all right. 
Well, let's go back a little bit further in time. So okay. you, you've kind of been involved with the RMAC in one shape or another for even longer than that. Yes. So uh, what did you do? You worked at Fort Lewis and Metro State prior to the RMAC? Yeah, I'll start with how I got my career going. So <clears throat> I, was, um, I, had, I went to school at Colorado State University. Um, I was getting a teaching edu- education degree, and um, I wanted to get a degree in history. And I thought I was going to be a history teacher. And um, while I was there, I got hooked up with the housing department. And they had a whole crew of students. And we used to move tables and do all. And we had a lot of fun. So there were a lot of people there. And there were about six of us that we all worked together. And for f- about four years, we just, that we, it got to be where that job was more important than getting our degree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, so. They kept giving us little bumps of raises, and pretty soon they realized they were paying us too much money when they could go bring in some new set of freshmen and get us all out of there. So uh, four years, I was almost done. I needed to do my student teaching and uh, and then some education classes. So I decided I'll go back to Metro where um, it would be cheaper and I could live with my folks who actually lived in the area and all this other stuff. So. But I get down there and I don't have a job and I'm bored. And so for about two weeks, I'm going, well, I got to find something to do. And, if, you know, I'd always done some things in sports as far as coaching. And, and uh, I, was a, I was a football and a basketball official for a long time. And um, the um, friend of mine said that they were looking for some help to sell tickets for the basketball games at Metro. And at that time... Metro played in the old Denver Auditorium Arena, which was downtown Denver. It's now the Buell Theater. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, so they ran at their events in these this five thousand seat arena that I remember as a kid going there to see Denver Nuggets games or Rockets games when they were the Rockets, and uh, so it was kind of cool. Okay, well, this is, so that's what, how I started out. I was lucky enough that the athletic director there was the baseball coach, and he wanted to be a baseball coach, but he wanted to be paid like an athletic director, and so. Uh, when I got there, he, I was like a godsend to him because I'd do anything just to try to get into And I really thought it was fascinating. And so I started taking on bus scheduling and uh, uh, f- fundraising and uh, compliance. And at some point or other, I did pretty much every job you can do in that field. And I took that off of his plate so he could go coach baseball. So I worked there for 11 years. He he um, he called me. I also did coach a little baseball with him for a while. And he called me in one day and he says, well, what do you want to do with your career? And I said, well, um, I don't know. I said, he goes, well, here's the options I got for you. He says, number one, I could pay you $1,000 a year, which is what I was getting paid then, and to do all that stuff I was doing. And um, he says, I pay $1,000 a year and you could help me coach baseball. You can I, I bring you on. You can be one of the guys that hits fungos and whatever. It says, or um, how about if I hire you to be the assistant AD, I'll pay you $17,000 a year, and you'll get benefits and everything. There we go. That's well, a no-brainer. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'd like to say I was a real smart guy, but no. Most people would make the right decision, right? So, so I took the job. That's how I got in the business. Okay, well, then I didn't have a master's degree. I was doing that. I had a new family, all this other stuff. And I could realize that if I wanted to go anything in this business, I needed my master's degree. So went back to Regis. Um, I got a master's degree in management. Uh, actually, it was, it, had a, it was specifically about quality management. So ba- back in that time, there was a huge movement uh, in the in, in industries about how to do team building and 360 evaluations and 
uh, all of the, there's a whole plethora of writings about that. I don't know whatever happened, all that stuff, but it, that, it was a big deal back then. So uh, trying to be inclusive about, I guess it's the forebearer of inclusion maybe. So, but it was, you know, I got, that's what I got my master's degree in. And I, tr and the trouble is trying to apply that to athletics is kind of weird because athletics is like a military structure. Right. And so that's the battle I fought ever since then is how do you find ways to include people in decision-making processes so that they can actually have a better product in the end. So anyway, I went back and got my, uh, went and got my master's degree at night. I had two kids, one car. We ended up buying a second car because that was the only way I could go back and forth all the time. And then when I finally finished that, sure enough, a couple jobs came open and I got to go to Fort Lewis. Um, so I got hired as the athletic director at Fort Lewis. Which and, is not a picturesque town at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a pretty good fall for your first gig, right? Yeah, so yeah. I was 30, 37 years old. And um, I knew some people there. That was part of how I got the opportunity. That, that's a, been a crazy story. That was a crazy story anyway. But Now, were they still the Raiders at that time? No. Or they moved they, to the Skyhawks? They had made the transition to the Skyhawks. Okay. They had gone through a couple of ADs. And then... Um, um, and a bunch of, I guess they'd gone through four football coaches, like all in the same year. Wow. Um, because guys kept leaving and getting jobs. It was not a good football job. And um, I came there. Actually, how it started was uh, I had applied the previous November. And I went to the NSA convention in January, and I saw the vice president, who I knew really well. And he goes, I got some good news and bad news. I go, okay, what's that? He says, well, there are... Um, you know, you're still in the hunt for the job. He says, no, no. He said, the bad news is that you're not in, you're not in the hunt for the job anymore. We had a committee of 20 people and they kicked you out the first round. And I go, well, what's the good news? Then he says, well, I got you back in the hunt. <laughs> I go, okay. Well, then I didn't hear anything. So now March comes along, Mar middle of March, right before the basketball tournament start. And they announced that they're going to hire this gal from Wisconsin to take the job. So I'm heartbroken a little bit. Um, um, I run into him at a basketball tournament in Denver, the vice president, and he goes, you know, I, I this, whatever. He had all his excuses about why I didn't have him. I go, okay, fine. You know, it's cool. And then my wife's brother was going to school at Fort Lewis, and we went down there for a, gra a graduate, his graduation. And uh, the whole weekend I was just moping around because I kept going, wow, what a cool place. What? I'd love to live here. You know, I'd, all the th I like to be outdoors. I like to do all this stuff. And... Um, sat in the gym and I saw all these people there and I go, wow, I could do so much with this. It was all cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, so I was depressed the whole time. Anyway, <clears throat> come about June, there's an announcement in the paper that the gal does not come. So mm -hmm. she strung them out for about three months. Mm -hmm. She doesn't take the job. So now they're, the job's open again. So he contacts me and the vice president contacts me again. He says, yeah, we want, want to consider you for the job. So I go down and I interview. This was early August. And then they say, well, we got a couple more interviews to do. And I go, that's kind of weird. You asked me to come down there and do all this. And then you got two more interviews. And I don't know whether I was the third person to get whatever. I got the job. I got the job two weeks. Football had already started practice. And two weeks before the first home football game. That's when I got the job. Perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite a time crazy. to come into it. <laughs> so I took a U-Haul van. I had two kids. And we loaded everything up in the van, drove all the way to Durango. And my in-laws had a, had a rental there 
in Durango. I don't. I, I, oh, they were. I guess it's because uh, Kathy's brother was living in it before, so we moved into it first. And we drove all the time. We got all the way down there. The one thing that I was really important to me was I didn't want to lose all my tropical fish because I had this fifty-five gallon fish tank. So we got out of the truck about three in the morning, and I'm doing everything I can to get that tank running. So it's all good, right? Um, my in-laws have put new carpet in the in this apartment, all this other stuff. So I get in there, I get it all set up, and then we go to bed. And I get up in the morning, and it, all the seams have broken, oh, the, and there's yeah. like fish oh, were no. gone. There's fishy water everywhere. That was how we got to start out. So, and then I had to turn around and drive back to Colorado Springs to go to an RMAC meeting. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So it started out pretty crazy. Anyway. Yeah. Um, long and short of it, had a, I, I had seven years there at college at Fort Lewis, and I really enjoyed it a lot. That was a fun. That was fun. It was weird to be young and and be in that position, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, probably learned a lot from it. I would imagine. I broke two teeth grinding my teeth the first year I was there. Oh wow! Just stressful. About, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. stressful, but. I haven't broken any teeth lately, so that's, well, that's good. good. Yeah. Learn from it. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them don't exist anymore. But I'm okay. not. I'm not sure how uh, familiar our listeners are, but um, the the football field in Durango on oh. Fort Lewis's campus is one of the best uh, yeah. that I've ever been to. It's pretty. It's practically on the side of the mountain. Yes, and, it's beautiful. There. And um, I mean, it's just fantastic. Fantastic there. I always love visiting. Uh, hopefully their press box has been renovated. Oh, it hasn't? Oh, no. It wasn't, that wasn't among the, yeah. the, the prettiest <laughs> RMAC facilities, yeah. but it's a well, great place to watch a game. The bleachers <laughs> weren't really that good either. They still have the same challenges. I haven't sure. been down there in a while, but they haven't really done much with the football stadium. It's, it is a spectacular place to sit and watch a football game, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But the press box is horrible. <laughs> So, yeah, that happens. Yep. They and you know, there's soccer was God there for a long time. Most of the time that I was there, soccer was God. So most of the resources went into building a new soccer facility. And yeah. they, they have a very nice soccer facility there. So. so Joel, you kind of have alluded to it a little bit, but how much has your job changed? I mean, you've you've basically worked in athletics your entire professional <laughs> career. Um I, you know, I've never, I, I've had obviously plenty of conversations with you, but I've never really asked you how much has changed. I'm, I'm sure you've seen a ton. So the first, when I was working at Metro as a student, we had one computer, a DOS computer for the whole department. It came when I was there and it was shipped in a box with our uh, OA's name on it. So they gave the first sets of computers that went out everywhere, they gave them to OA's. Not Professional people didn't have computers. Our SID did everything with whiteout and typewriter. Hmm. Every after every game, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. So he would be sitting on the bus with a bat, with the, he had a pencil and some whiteout and he would go and update all of the, the um, cumulative stats. Then when he'd get back at night, he would sit there and retype it all up so he'd have it for the next day. And then he'd just do the same thing. It lasted for well, 24 hours till the next basketball game or something like that. So, yes, that was totally bizarre. Uh, looking back on it now, that's that, and that was the state of the art, right? Yeah. Yeah. The one, the thing that's really, in my opinion, has changed the business a lot as as social media. It was a there was a time when, um, first of all, at, at Division Twos, you didn't get much media to begin with, but you had to work hard mm -hmm. to just get what you could. But you knew the game plan, right? So I knew I could go to the local paper, 
And so I go to the Shandron Record, and if I send good press releases to them all the time, they're going to run them. Might get lucky and get something down in, in Scott's Bluff. Uh, once in a while, if we have a really great player like Danny Woodhead, then you start seeing the other pieces. Of, but they were, you know, you could pick and choose which what was going to happen. There sure. were going to be some scouts through here. They, somebody might want to do a feature story on Danny, whatever, right? You kind of knew the channels that it was going on. Nowadays... People get their information from so many different places, and you have to be on top of it. Mm -hmm. And so, it, you know, is it Twitter? Is it TikTok? Is it uh, Instagram? What 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 vehicle works the best? Um, how often? And and how much of that buzz actually just dies in the in the sphere because people can't keep up with it. Yeah. I can't keep up. With now I'm slow, but but even young, you know, I, I, what I heard an article, I read an article the other day where they said that kids are on their phones six and a half hours a day, and I was, even at that kind of pace, I don't know how you keep up with it. How do you keep up with all of that stuff, right? Yeah, if I go on my Twitter thing right now and I sit there just for, just if I'm sitting and waiting for a meeting, I was doing it outside before I came in. I go on the Twitter thing and I roll and I roll and I scroll. And I try to just scan. What's, I'm not reading everything. I'm just scanning to see what's on there, right? And most yeah. of my Twitter stuff is all athletic stuff. So I learned something from it. But I might have killed 15 minutes just doing that right there, just there. And not that I didn't do I wasn't anything productive. I, maybe I learned something. but And that is the way people's lives are more structured now. So what happens is I think they start disconnecting with the things that we think are important. So, I mean, having school pride, coming to events – engaging with other people, right? That is one of the real strong seats of college athletics, okay? And those, those impressions that are made when you're an undergraduate go on forever. I can talk to people who are in the business or, you know, just in education now. Even if they're faculty members or whatever, that they tend to have that as some of their memories. Oh, I was at Georgia and I did the, I did the, the mall crawl with all of the co-eds when they did that thing, you know, before the football game. It was just, it's like a rite of passage mm -hmm. for people. And we're losing that a lot. Yeah. Is there's so much for people to do that it's very, very hard. And you can't penetrate it. It's really hard to penetrate. Um, how, you, you almost have to go back to what the old days, which is, was word of mouth. I mean, I almost have to say, Daniel, would you come to this thing right. to, that we're having today? I really would like to see you be there, okay? Now, yeah. you may have seen that it's been on – you've seen whatever it is we're advertising 500 times. But when people have to make decisions about the other things that are available in their lives, it just becomes fragmented, right? Yeah. And so, that, so to me, social media has changed the game. Yeah. I can remember when I started in 07, we, we – I think probably with your help, Daniel, we put photo galleries on the – on the athletic website, which was then oh, still part I of .edu. About that. Yeah. And I can remember the players and the, and the parents like, wow, this is great looking at photos. Yeah. And, and now if, if you don't have photos of yeah. student oh, athletes, yeah. Up, yeah, you're getting, you're getting phone game. calls from parents. Yeah, or, why didn't that happen? Interesting how fast it changed. I think back to the Woodhead days when yeah. I was sending photos off to the, the Star Herald and Omaha and uh, Rapid City Papers and that and like that was that would felt like the cutting edge as far as social media. <laughs> yeah, didn't even consider anything yeah, else no. about it. Yeah, but then now, I mean, you'd have to make sure you're you're checking all those boxes. Yeah, right. It's a, it's definitely become more of a job. That's for sure. And, and you got you know, it's so much more political now. Not necessarily an athletics political per se, but it's the information is so deep. Mm -hmm. 
and and what people want now is the is really what they've always wanted. That, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, right? So they want bad news. They want to talk about bad news. They want to be about bad news. And so if there's something that happened at the football game, what could it be? The music was too loud. Before, the person who felt that way didn't really have a vehicle to say anything about it, right? But now they have a vehicle, amplify it. right? So now we can amplify it. And then I can get, I can string three or four people together who thought that the music was too loud too. Now they can hear the music all the way in South Dakota, okay? Um, now it's become a bigger problem than it ever was before because we didn't learn some tolerance in some particular reason or whatever. Obviously, you turn the music down. That's, that's, that's an obvious question. But I'm just using that as an example about how things get so exponential now mm -hmm. because of this thing, because people have all this information they think, think they have. Um, and, you know, we see it in the politics now um, with uh, – it's it a little disappointing. And I had – I did not major in journalism, but I was around it all my life. And I'm real disappointed that in our world today we don't have some true journalists who want to see both sides of the story. Yeah, and, some of that in-depth investigative. It. Yeah. Well, just to get – I mean – to get to the get to the root right. of something, right, and, and not and not come in with a predisposition about it. That's uh, to me is really disappointing. And I don't care which way the story ends up. Um, did you see Gaslight, the movie? Mm -mm. Okay, gee, that's probably I'm probably dating myself. It's probably ten years now. So Gaslight is the story uh, of the Boston priests' scandal. Um, where they they started finding out that they had all these priests that were molesting kids, okay? And there was a, a investigative group at the Boston Herald that was called the Gaslight Team, and that was what they were supposed to go in and put something to this, and they figured this thing all out. And the movie's phenomenal for the only only in how it salvages what investigation investigative reporting used to be. Okay, it, I mean, it made me feel good. I mean, the movie doesn't make you feel good because right. it's a really sad sure. topic, right? But the, the but the effort and the things that they did and how they went about it, and there was there were Catholics that were reporters, so they they had, they had this whole uh, struggle inside themselves about well, how do we do this when you know yeah. it's against the church that I'm involved with. So, to me. We don't have that much anymore. Now everybody's got to raise a flag, and they're going to find out some way to make the flag look like it's the way that my flag should be, and not about what's what's going on. I mean, what's the real going on? And that's disappointing. And you know, and we run into a little bit with athletics. I mean, I feel bad for Scott Frost. I mean, whether he's ever going to be good or not at Nebraska, who knows? But how could he ever have a chance? Mm -hmm. How could he even have a chance? Is there? Somebody asked this question to me, and I think it's a great question. Is there anyone else in the United States or other places unknown who could have a chance to be more successful than him? Could there, is there? I mean, I don't know if there is, okay? They could pay me $5 million and I'd uh, find out. Yeah. Sure, and, and get the money would be a good thing, right? <laughs> But um, you know, he has all the he has all the pedigree. He understands the old world. He under he was successful in the new world, right? He was at Central Florida and winning at a program that didn't have nearly the resources that Nebraska has. Now, so who knows? I mean, I don't have the answer to the key, or the key to that piece, and and uh, 
Um, but I, you know, that's the world we're in right now, right? So yeah. he won't even have talent. He needs to have. I, and then I did say, I don't know if it was Herb Street or one of those guys, the talking heads, was talking about. It. He says you got to give the guy for ten years to try to get that to that kind of thing. And I agree with him. But nobody has that kind of time. I mean, we get that now. Yeah, that, I, I, yeah I think that you raise a good point, and we talk a little bit about it in college relations from time to time, that there's a difference between criticizing and being critical. If you're yeah. being critical, you're providing feedback, you're, you're trying to work toward a common goal, uh, you're collaborating. If you're criticizing, anyone can do that. I could tell Daniel, oh, black's a terrible color on you. Mm-hmm. Why are you wearing that? Mm-hmm. Just based on my own subjective opinion. Yeah. Right. And, and that requires no research at all. And it's easier, right? Exactly. It's so much easier to do that. And so, and that's where we're at now with this thing and with the phone. Now they can get on there and you can have whatever opinion that you want to have about anything. Okay. And it doesn't matter whether it's right, wrong, or has any basis in fact at all. Okay. It's just there. It's just out there. Yeah. And then all it takes is somebody to cling on to it. Okay. And then... All of a sudden, it becomes something bigger than it really should be. And we just uh, – we've lost a lot of tolerance, in my opinion. And I, and I think that's, that's bad. And I, th- and I also think we've missed uh, – I, I think we missed some of the magic. Um, and we hear this a lot from our deal because I know that the time that Danny was here was magical. Okay? I just, there's no way to describe – I mean, I was here. I was at events. I stood like six deep in the end zone over there that when when oh, Joe yeah. flipped into the end zone. Okay, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. where I was. All right, I saw the magic. It was magical, yeah. and th- and that magic was created when they didn't have hardly anything. They had a terrible weight room, no no facilities. All of those things that we've got now that are really cool, right? Didn't have any of that, but there was a magic, and there was something, and that and that energy that those people at that time put to that thing was phenomenal. Trying to find a way to create that, especially in this world, is so much more difficult. Because back then, everybody got on the bus, right? Now we've got a lot of people who think, eh, well, I don't think that bus is as, as clean as I want it to be. Or I don't, you know. Well, then, of course, you throw COVID stuff in, right? Oh, <laughs> then it makes yeah. it even worse, right? So yeah. we, we'll get to the point where we're iso- we isolate ourselves so much. And in athletics, and especially in collegiate athletics, the biggest part of it, the, the whole success that it has, is bringing people together. Yeah. Uh, people, uh, people, faculty members in the English department sitting at the football game with faculty members in the business department. They may not ever cross paths anywhere else, but they'll come to the games and have a good time. That's what it's supposed to be about. Yeah. And now we uh, people are scared to come to games. They're scared they're going to get sick or whatever else is happening. Or... They've got so many other options. And we do it to ourselves, Daniel. This is no criticism of you. <laughs> but we do television production when we were talking yeah, about the beginning yeah. of the no, no one ever thought about us ever being in television production in Division Two. okay? Let alone the fact that we do as much stuff as we do, right? It just wasn't existing. We were jacked up when we could, when we got – when I was at the RMAC and they got um, – uh, the basketball tournament on um, one of the cable networks, whatever it was, Altitude, I believe it was at the time. And that was just like, that was like a, a, a unbelievable thing, right? And, and that was the only television that the RMAC, the whole conference got the whole year was the basketball mm-hmm. tournament on a weekend, okay? Yeah. Now, every school in the, in the conference does all their stuff. If you want to see something, you don't have to leave your seat, yeah. right? And it's free. And it's free, yeah, I mean, there for a while, I think we charged for it, but it, it wasn't gangbusters. Yeah. Um, 
and and so now you're right, it's free, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, we've made it, we've made decisions so much easier for people as far as um, well, I don't you know I gotta get in the car, I gotta get the kids, I gotta get a ticket, I gotta sit there for a little while, it's noisy in there, and you start running those things scenarios in your mind, and now we're not building that family that I yeah. think we we used to have. It's an interesting balance. I, mean, I think nothing can really replace that game day experience, and I think. If, if what I can provide for the viewers that just can't make it, you know, they're too far away sure. and there are other commitments, then that's fantastic. But I, I definitely would encourage people, if you can make it to the game in person, it's worth coming. And, and yeah. it makes the broadcast better, right? Yeah. And so yeah, I mean, we talk about it all the time about how do we get better shots or where do we put camera angles yeah. so we can make it look like it's more entertaining, more fun and, yeah. and activities. And, and and that's what you want. So you want that happy mix. We're kind of blessed in Shadron, okay, because people are looking for things to do, especially in the winter time, so our attendance used typically in the upper half of the league, whether whether we're good, bad, or indifferent, yeah. for volleyball and for basketballs. You know, we people come out. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I want to pack the place, mm-hmm. and, and that'll probably come when we're doing really well and winning and and, and building those things. But, um, you know, th- I think that part that value is still a very high value in our community. But at the same time, we there are all these things that peel it off. I was laughing at myself because I was sitting at the scores table a year ago watching the football game <laughs> when we had a volleyball game, okay? I go, wow, that's kind of weird that you can do that, right? Yeah. Never used to be able to do that. So. <laughs> but you could listen to it on the radio. Yeah, had a so. little bit of it. Well, Joel, what can we look forward to? Uh, we've got our new season starting up. We've got our first home football game this Saturday. <laughs> yep. um, so in terms of what what are some of the really cool things people can share on their social media in this yeah. coming season? Yeah, well, um, coming out of the world of COVID, right? Uh, right, so we that had too. What was in essence a, a lost season last year? You know, we did play, we did do some things, but it was yeah. so lost in all of the, everything that was happening. And all of the kids got their eligibility back, so they're all the same class and everything. But they do have a year of experience and stuff. And and so I, to me, I think that's a really good thing. Yeah. Um, you know, we have some amazing athletes, and, and we have throughout history, in my opinion. And um, so to me, that's the thing that's the, the most exciting no matter what we do. So it's the kids that we can uh, – um, Nation when he's jumping or, you know, any of the other jumpers that we've had. We got – we got people here who are national caliber people. Yeah, we do. Um, we have, uh, you know, we have a football team that's filled full of seniors this year that I, you know, I hope can kind of bounce back from last week a little bit. But but they but they will, and they, because they're that, that's a good group, and that's a that's a good coaching staff that's working with them. You know, I'm very excited about our men's basketball program. I'm excited about our women's basketball program. Janet did a really good job this year going out and trying to get some kids that I think are bought into what she wants to try to get done. That's good volleyball. I just came back from I was in Pueblo last week watching the volleyball team, and you know we played in a tournament where we very easily could have won all four of the games that we played, and and we were in competitive in every one of them. So that's exciting Side. to me mm-hmm. to see how that goes. It's exciting to me see, to see how the athletes respond to being back to some measure of normal. It's not normal yet, but at least it's some measure of normal, right? right? Yeah. Getting closer, mm-hmm. and so. Let's see what that happens. To me, what would be make it even better is just the more folks come out and and, uh, and make that atmosphere around all that into a, into a much better thing. And we've seen it a little bit. You know, I think w- this will be our first test this weekend when we have people coming out for yeah. something that 
when school's in and all that other stuff. But, you know, we hopefully we'll have good crowds this year and people will be coming out and having a good time and being excited about what's going on. Well, I'm really curious to see, and I don't think we have any home meets scheduled this year, but since we've got women's, women's wrestling women's at wrestling. it, I mean, yeah. that's pretty cool. That is a new cool thing. It's a, And we are trying to schedule a women's wrestling home meet oh, good. if we can. So yeah. uh, we haven't quite got that fig- figured out yet. But, yeah, um, that uh, adding that sport is, uh, I think, is going to, create a lot of energy. I think people are going to be very surprised about what women's wrestling actually means. Yeah, I'm curious just like, like that that different style compared to men's. I'm really yeah, that'll it be is. Fun to see. It's not it's um you know, you can watch it and it'll all kind of look about the same, but but there're definitely technical differences in in yeah. the the freestyle instead of the folk style that the men do. And uh um, I think they'll the the energy level is high. There's a lot going on. It's kind of like look watching the lower weights in the men's side. With that kind of energy, but it's at every level with the women. They just uh, that's just it's really cool, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. so the some of the wrestling that I've seen, and um, Elijah Jeffrey, our new uh, new coach, has really got a lot of energy himself, and he's uh, he's really working hard to try to build it. I think it's a program that'll grow really quickly, and I'm excited about that. Does Does he have? Uh any any women on the roster yet? Um, we have five women on campus that oh, are wrestling right now. Yeah, that's awesome. And my hope is that we can probably pick up a few more, you know, at the break. And and uh, a predominance of the schedule can be done in the spring. So um, that's what we're hoping for right now. This first year is going to be tough. It, we yeah. we didn't get it, <clears throat> and it wasn't our fault necessarily. It was just the idea came up, and we had to go through the processes to make it happen. And it took until we could get through a board meeting to get that approved and that was late and then we were late we moved along pretty well with the hiring process but it just is difficult we knew and we knew that in the first year it was going to be hard um it will it will be and it is set up to to really grow i think so how many weight classes do they compete they have 10 10 so just like men's Mm -hmm. okay they have just like men's they're small obviously lower weights but um, no, I think people will find that that's a really exciting thing. So I'm really looking forward. And if, if the scheduling works out for it, uh, where we've got, um, one of our arm next, well, anyway, where we would have, um, like a long day of it, where we got men's and women's, um, maybe alternating or however mm-hmm. it would be balanced mm-hmm. just to get that whole mix going. And we have talked about that. Yeah. So that, 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 the excitement of doing that would be a lot of fun. And, yeah. uh, you know, wrestling matches typically, even the men, the men's wrestling matches are typically pretty quick. Mm-hmm. They, they don't take a ton of time. You never know how fast it could go. <laughs> no, well, it can go longer too. Yeah. I, you know, guys going and going and going. But, yeah. um, you know, to, to add a women, to have a double header in that sense would really be kind of cool. And, and we are looking to try to do that. Well, so. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, Joel, could you explain um, the name, image, and likeness policy the NCAA has adapted? So how many shows do I have? <laughs> this do is, I get to this, do a bunch? <laughs> well, maybe maybe limit yourself. The elevator speech. You, okay. You, yeah. Uh, Daniel and I are riding with you to the top of high rise. Yeah. Going to the penthouse. Uh, yeah. So you have eleven Sh- floors. What what does that mean for CSC? What does it mean so, for students? So if it was the elevator speech, it would be this is the sure sign of the apocalypse. How's that? <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> Well, then we better get off the elevator. Yeah, you want to get off the – well, you go down the stairs. Do not use the elevator. Um, from, and this is coming a little bit from an old school dude. So, you know, to me, um, the whole idea of a collegiate athlete, amateur collegiate athlete, was somebody who did this for the love of the game, for the opportunity to be, become educated and go on with their life and be fruitful citizens. That was what I – I mean, I worked all 38 years mm-hmm. of the business to, to do that. 
<laughs> I guess in a way it's sort of is a, a microcosm of the social media stuff we talked about or the extra television or whatever. Opportunity, the one thing that you could never have factored in was what opportunity was that out there? I mean, if I was a college student and I had an opportunity to sit down at my computer and make a little website and all of a sudden I start getting a million five hits and YouTube's willing to give me X for whatever it is that my product is. Why would I not do that? I mean, it beats, I mean, I guess I could sit and get drunk, but, you know, being productive, my goodness, what a great opportunity. Okay. So I, I started out kind of negative about this, but the reality is, is this is a new, it's a new frontier yeah. and it's not one that has a lot of guidance to it. I think the NCA did a, a disservice and, and I say that. I have to clarify NCAA. The in, I'm saying this about me because I'm a member of the NCAA. Our institutions a member of the institution of that, and all the institutions are mem It's a member organization. They people like to personify it like it's some god up there that makes all these cataclysmic decisions that nobody likes. But it's us. It's it's how we decide how we're going to play with each other. And we um, we did not get on top of this. And I w I actually served on the Division Two. Uh, name, image, and likeness committee. And, and um, although I thought we made some really good headway, they ran into a lot of legal issues, and so they couldn't implement the things that we wanted to do. And so consequently, um, um, the that what, what, what happened, again, I'm, I'm going to give you the three-show speech here really quick, but in states started passing legislation about allowing kids to make money, Okay. Um, including the state of Nebraska. We have one on the books right now. It comes into effect in 2023, okay? Um, and so the NCA was facing this huge deadline, and they didn't want to make us – they were hoping that there would be a national – something out of the, the, the national government that would kind of solve this problem, and it didn't happen. So now it's all at each state level, we're trying to de deal with the issue at the state level. And so what the NCA did was basically threw up their hands and says, hey, we don't care. If the, kid, if the kids want to try to make money, great. Let them have fun. So that, in, in the nutshell, is what it is. We went from being a, an amateur organization to now allowing kids to pretty much do whatever they want to do now. Within reason. With, well, with, you, you still can't. I still can't have a booster go out and say, if you'll come here, I'll give you $5 million to play at Shadron State College. That's not legal. Yeah. Okay. But people find ways around stuff. So the University of Miami, they're alums. And this is a Ill, this is an ill-hearted. It was just a way to help their program. Some alums with good businesses come back and make the, the alum makes the pledge. I will pay every football player on the University of Miami $6,000 a year. And I'm going to ask all these other donors and alums who have businesses to do the same. So they get, it wouldn't take them long. They get what, I don't know, can't do the math, but, you know, they get 10 more institutions to do it. That's $60,000 a kid. Wish I had $60,000 when I was going to college, right? Yeah. That's just to be a part of. Now, the kids, on the other hand, have to, you know, they have to say, hey, I like drinking beer at this bar. <laughs> Or whatever. And then they can't, that's another thing. They can't get into the drug business. They can't be doing mm -hmm. stuff like that or illicit situations. They can't do any of that stuff. But for the kid who, and we had one here. We had a kid here who uh, who left our program because they were paying him $250,000 to live in a house in L.A. and develop gameware because he was a gamer. 
I mean, how could you say no to that? I mean, you want the kid, you want a kid to have an education, but he can always get an education. Yeah. Right? I can't fault him. Oh, yeah, they, they're good. They get, if they've got that, maybe he doesn't need the education. <laughs> you know, who knows? But, right. the, um, you know, if, if, you, if you have a modeling career and you want to be able to, you know, get do photo shoots and make money from it, big deal. What's it, what's it, it doesn't really matter. So mm -hmm. now the devil is obviously in the details. And that's why I'm, I was a little apocalyptic before, because I think that it, it just changed. It still changes the nature of what we're doing. And the kids are going to make, here's the, here's the scenario that I ran with a lot of people. Okay. If I'm, if I'm a, the star quarterback, I'm a senior quarterback and the local dealership in town decides to give me a car and has me do a bunch of sh shoots for the dealership saying, you know, come and buy a car from us. And I'm, you know, um, socially, I get, you know, I'm, I, I got a little nicer car to drive around in. I got a little money in my pocket that I can go spend when I go out to the bars with everybody. And my lineman got what? Nothing. Because they aren't. It's that the market conditions are now driving it instead of some of the fairness that we try to get through with stuff, right? So in the NCAA world, we have scholarship monies and kids get different scholarship monies, but... In the, it's never more than the cost of attendance, right? So what happens when this star quarterback, who happens to be a little lippy, right? He's got to go back to pass. And somebody's got to block for him, <laughs> okay? And so all of a sudden, the star quarterback becomes buried back there, and then the, then the booster doesn't like that very much, and then that all goes away. And so we, what did we learn from that experience? Nothing really very positive in my mind, and, and it causes dissension amongst the team. And you could get to that. Yeah. Would we ever see it here? Doubtful. Right. I mean, what we're going to see is Runza is going to get, and then this did happen, by the way. Runza, Runza if you'll give you 300 bucks, if you'll go online and say, I love Runza's. And you're an athlete in Nebraska, the first 100 athletes who contacted them, they're getting 300 bucks for saying that. Okay. So, you know, it would be nice if everybody had that opportunity because I like runs it too. But that's those are the kind of things that are going to come out. Oh, right? interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and, and who knows what else because people have great imaginations, correct? And so now that they've got that openings in there, trying to figure out where, you know, what, what things are going to – well, you know, play out that aren't going to be positive. I, it's hard to say. They they could. It has the potential of being some bad things. But for right now, if a kid can make some extra money going to college, it helps them out. I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Well, Joel, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, um, I want to know a little bit about your interests outside of work. And uh, I understand you're a musician, among other things. Uh, I do. I talk about that. There are two things that I really like to do. I am a musician. Um, I've been playing the guitar since I was 10. Yeah. My father was a musician. He played the steel guitar at a band in Pueblo. And uh, um, so I've been around music all my life. And we used to do the. We honestly got to do some of those things you, you hear about in the history stuff about sitting around somebody's house with everybody like picking and grinning. I, I grew up like that, so I watched nice. people two or three generations of people doing that. I, the unfortunate thing is I don't get to do that anymore. So, uh, but going through college, that was you know it helped have beer money and that kind of thing. And I had a long-standing gig at the uh, at the Royal Gorge in Canyon City, Colorado. I played there three weekends a year. With a buddy of mine, we used to go play underneath the gazebo. The gazebo's gone now; that it burnt down in a fire. But, but we used to do that kind of gig. It was fun. It was a fun social thing, and it was something totally different than what I do with work. And so I've always liked that piece. Um, I love the fly fish. Uh, to me, that's 
you know, one of the, the greatest things in the world, and I don't get to do it enough anymore either. But um, th that's, so that's one of the other kind of hobbies I guess I have when I can find time to do them. So. Oh, yeah. Very good. But I love music, and, I, and I'm a historian, so, you know, I, um, Alex and I got into a conversation the other day about Nancy Griffith, and, you know, I guess I'm a little, my tastes in music are a little eclectic, so you, you can at any time hear me talking about uh, Motown, or you can hear me talking about, you know, folk rock, or, uh, you know, I was, a I was a big fan and still am, even more so maybe now than back then, a big fan of John Denver. And, uh, you know, he, everybody kind of saw him as a sugar bubblegum pop kind of dude. But when you see the, the work the work that he did over the years and how he applied himself to all that stuff, it's pretty impressive what, mm -hmm. what, what kind of guy he was, too, as well as all the other stuff. So um, anyway, so I have my, my music interests. Are, I'm not much of a reggae dude. That's the only one I haven't no. really <laughs> caught on to. John Denver has the... In my mind, uh, the best Christmas album of all time, John Denver and the and Muppets. Muppets, yep. Uh, Play it every Christmas. I, yeah. yeah, so do we. Um, mm. Growing up, my mom would always put that on. Yeah. And so I just remember the uh, the 12 Days of Christmas, like you have like, uh, <laughs> well, Miss all... Piggy singing on it and stuff. <laughs> yeah. those, those are some jams. I'm not sure that's the one John wants to be the most remembered for. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> fine. That's okay. That's a good one, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's... I do get to do some of those things. I get to break out the guitar every once in a while. It's probably it's mostly just me now, so I just sit there and play by myself. Well, I think we need to throw down the gauntlet, Daniel. That first women's wrestling match, we need Joel to shred the national anthem. That's right. Uh, that was another thing that I did in my career where I tried to mix mix metaphors. <laughs> so I sang the anthem at Metro for years. I was famous for that, whatever famous means. I have I sang I sang it at uh, NCA. Uh, Division One basketball regional. Um, I did. I got to sing at um, at Mile High Stadium one time. Um, so I have done that before. I quit <clears throat> because um, I was also in charge of the concession stand at Metro. And um, right before I would, was supposed to go out and sing, I was in the concession stand just getting some stuff for the guys that were in there. And one of the syrup lines broke. And it was squirt and syrup. Oh, like, okay. <laughs> that stuff's and, thick. Oh my, oh. oh, my goodness. And so I, ra I ran up and I grabbed it and I, you know, I got a screwdriver and I got the clamp back on, whatever. And so I have got syrup down my hands like this, my tie. <laughs> and somebody walks by the concession and says, two minutes to get anthem. So I don't got time to go to the bathroom to go clean up. So I go out and did the anthem with syrup dropping down there. And just <laughs> What color was it? It was that dark caramely color. So okay, well, better that than like a bright red or something. No, that you look like you'd been shot. Yeah. No, it wasn't that. But they had but, to pry the microphone from the yeah. oh. The way that I – it was after that I said, you know, it's just not worth it doing all these things. I, I, it's not as glamorous, but I think I'd rather pay attention to the game I've been stuff. So. Well, we need to get you to sing the national anthem sometime. I'm, I might do that. You know who else is really good at the national anthems? Caleb. I'll get you two really? doing the duet Caleb, style. Caleb, yeah. Caleb has a beautiful – one time we were – we were sitting here at a volleyball. Is it the volleyball game or basketball? I can't remember. But the, the computer froze up on us and we couldn't get the anthem to come up. And he just grabbed the mic and went. There you yeah, go. I've heard him sing He's good. And he yeah. can sing. I mean, seriously, he nice. can sing. So yeah. 
Well, yeah. maybe we need to get maybe a barbershop the barbershop. Or something <laughs> like that. Daniel and I can chew. You could probably do the doo-wop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if anyone's still listening, let's get into those quick hitting questions. Can we just hit them down there? Um, so we got we have five questions, Joel. Just first thing that comes sure. to the, the top of your head. Um, and this is very fitting. What's the first concert you attended? Um, I had to think about that a little bit. Um, the one that I remember um, going to was Linda Ronstead, Pure Prairie League, and um, the Eagles, all in one place at Mile High Stadium. Oh, that'd be cool. And um, uh, Linda Ronstead was phenomenal. And I probably had a crush on her or something. I'm not sure. But she was phenomenal, just unbelievable. And uh, that group of people was well, that was pretty good. I went to Red Rocks a lot. That was fun. Mm-hmm. So I saw a lot of concerts there. You know, my favorite one, if I ever had one, was at the Strader Hotel in Durango, uh, Leo Kotke, who no one's going to – who is he talking about? Leo Kotke – Phenomenal guitar player. Um, and we sat in the little theater at the Strader, and I ser- seriously, you could not hear a pin drop for an hour and a half. He was so mesmerizing the way that he played the guitar. And I'd seen him before, so I knew about him. And Chris Holland and I were there. Oh, cool. And uh, it, was, it was a night that you just couldn't pick. You just could, it was just crystal. As in, it's still a crystal memory in my mind. So. Yeah, I love moments like that. Yeah. Uh, favorite team, regardless of sport. I am aside a, from the Eagles. Yeah, right? I've become a closet. Although I used to be a flaming New York Mets fan. Um, when in 1969, when they won the World Series, I, back then those days, World Series were during the day, so the teacher was would bring TVs in and watch this World Series on TV, right? And so it was the Baltimore Orioles and the New York Mets, and we had this little. I hate to use the example. He was a little fat guy, okay? And he was a Baltimore Orioles fan, and he was just obnoxious. <laughs> and so I was going to be just as obnoxious and become a Mets fan. So I knew nothing about the Mets. And, of course, they win. So now I'm hooked. So I follow the Mets everywhere I go. I All the time. This was growing up. I did all that stuff. And I <laughs> one time when I was coaching baseball, we pl- played in the NAIA Regional Series down in Phoenix. And um, um, I was coaching, and we were getting finished up a practice, and this guy was standing out there with a microphone and looked like you, Daniel. And uh, he goes, hey, I'd like to talk to your coach. I says, you know, we're doing an interview for the local television station. And uh, he goes, I said, well, he's got a couple more things to finish it up, and he can come come over here now. I go, who should I tell him you are? And he goes, I'm Ron Swoboda. Now, Ron Swoboda was the right fielder for the Mets during the miracle time. And he made a spectacular catch in the series, and so he was a big deal. So, and I knew who that was. <laughs> so that that ruined my next two hours because I just sat there and talked to Ron Swoboda. He told me all these stories about the Mets and all that. So I was really hooked, and I was doing really good until um, <laughs> till the Rockies came, right? And so then I had to become a Rockies fan. But my kids still give me a lot of hell about being a Mets fan. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Rockies too. It's just their their logo is just. I, it's goofy looking. It's kind of boring. Yeah. You know, it's like the Mets, is the, especially the old one. Yeah. Was it Mr. What's his name? Mr. Uh, Matt. Yeah, Mr. Matt. Yeah, Mr. And Matt. It's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they're, they're not definitely not as creative now. No. So. 
I, you said quick hitters, and I just oh, drug you all off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> sorry. You're up. Now. I was like, I was looking at Daniel. He was looking at me. Yeah. As, and it's my turn. So, yeah. <laughs> Joel, what's a favorite movie of yours? Oh boy, movies are hard for me because I love movies. That was another thing that I'm. I took a class one time on movie history, and part of the class was you got to go to this theater downtown Denver and see. They had movies. Cha- they've changed every day, so it was like an art art house, right? So I got to see all this plethora of great movies. Um, so, but I'm going to have to confess that my favorite movie is Wizard of Oz. That's my mom's too. That's yeah, a good, it's a and great it, one. Classic. And it, it was a classic, and it was, and it's because of how it impacted me when I was a kid, right? Because it was on. T- I never saw it in the theater back in, when it came out, um, but we watched it religiously. Oh yeah, you know when it was on the television, mm-hmm. you waited for that day. Those kind of moments were were something that were really special. So, um, I mean, but I, you know. I have a list about a hundred sure. of them, and they're all over the place as far as I, 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 when I get a chance, and I have a huge DVD collection, which is probably stupid now that you can store them all, but I do. You know, I'll pull my Patton movie out and watch it. I like that yeah. movie, yeah, too. No. Physical media, it's important to have. Yep. Yeah. They can't take that away. They can't. Um yeah, it's interesting. Wizard of Oz just triggered this memory. Well, this non-memory I have, because my mom has told me that uh, when I was uh, real little, the bedtime story always had to be The Wizard of Oz. I have no memory of this. <laughs> and I keep thinking, I need to read this or reread yeah. it and see if it uh, like, resonates oh, with yeah, you. Yeah, because uh, apparently that was, yeah. Uh, yeah, just obsessive. You were big into allegory as a I, child, I, maybe. I must. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, Joel, what word comes to your head when you think of Shadron State College? This is going to sound a little corny, but family. Um, the people here are so warm, and I mean this across the, the campus. Um, they genuinely w- want to see other people be successful. And to me, that's, that's very hard to find in the world. Um, and I think that, I think that um, Dr. Ryan has a saying where he says, he, he says, you know, it's hard to live up here on the high plains. And, I, and it is. Um, and I think that's how the people cope with that. It's just how how they are friendly with each other, and they and they f- consider each other part of what of the bigger whole, right? Yeah. And so I think that's the real strength of our campus. Um, you know, it certainly is with our athletic program. I I, st- I still giggle when we you know we use that al- uh, analogy about the rock, and nobody has given me the defi- definition about what the rock <laughs> is yet. But I but I do know what it means. Okay, and the fact that it means something to them is important and mm-hmm. it means something to alums and it means something to people who weren't here have been here for 30 years it resonates with them and so to me that's it's things like that that I think are really that that that's the so and to me it means family that, yeah. that everybody are together it's true I'm yeah, just thinking of you might be having a bad day and you go down the sidewalk and you run into somebody and invariably they know you, you know them. Yeah. You, five minute conversation and you leave that. It might be innocuous, but you leave it going, ah, it's not a bad day after yeah. all. Yeah, things aren't as bad as ever. And, and it could be anywhere, right? You can see yeah. somebody that you should probably see on campus, but it's at Walmart. Sure. Right. And because it's at Walmart, you have this whole different dialogue with mm-hmm. them and stuff. And so, you know, there's not, uh, I don't know, there's just, a, there, there's a sense of family here that I think is, uh, is special. Absolutely. It, yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, wonderful community setting. So one, one that yeah. uh, we're certainly glad you're part of and 
Thanks for joining us today, Joel. Oh, this was yeah. my pleasure. Thank you, guys. We look forward to seeing everybody in the family at the football game. Uh, I don't know if this podcast won't be out this Saturday, but boy, we've got more football games, yeah. and volleyball games, and everything else scheduled this season. So yeah, Ro- rodeo, join the family. Things. So yeah, we got yeah. lots going on. So it'll be fun, folks. Everybody, get out. Yeah, great. Thank you. My pleasure.